0: Hey, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. It's just about that time of year again with spring just coming into view. Helped a buddy of mine uh, clean his patio a bit with a power washer. And that's honestly one of the more satisfying things I've done over the past couple of months. Because even though I haven't been able to uh, use a power washer for a good number of years, it's just always something that's satisfying and always something that kind of gives you a sense of fulfillment. Or at least personally for me, I don't know. It's just one of those small nitpicks and one of those small pieces of life that is kind of satisfying no matter which way you look at it but besides that um not necessarily anime related but i wouldn't be remiss to kind of include this into the segment considering that over the course of the weekend i ended up going in to see everything everywhere all at once i can't tell you what this movie is about i would like to but there's definitely no way that i can aptly describe what happens through the majority of this film so uh, there's action, there's drama, there's comedy, uh, there's absurdism. It stars Michelle Yeoh, and you would know her for her leading role in Crutching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, one of her roles in Crazy Rich Asians, as well as one of the mothers in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. She's got a lot of, you know, Chinese kung fu and wire movies, like, backed up on a resume, and she's been quite the proactive actress who has been working for nearly three decades, and honestly, she does a really good job in this film, but the only way I... I can just go through and try and not necessarily recommend this movie without giving too much away, it's just that all I can tell you is to go watch it. It's been out in theaters for a couple of weeks now, and I would imagine it's still going to have a bit more leeway before the majority of the summer blockbusters go through, but if you have the time, please, for the love of God, just go see everything everywhere all at once. I will can guarantee that you will have a good time with this film. And now I guess getting back on track to anime, or at least animation just before we get to the majority of those pieces of news, that Polygon Pictures has confirmed that they are working on a handful of episodes inside Love, Death and Robots, Volume 3. And the third season of this sci-fi anthology series ends up debuting on May 20th, so that's going to be something incredibly interesting to go through and uh, jump through and watch. Because it's... Love, Death, and Robots is just a really weird series, especially it's more difficult to recommend to people because it is an anthology series, it is very episodic, there is no overlap between any of the episodes that they have been able to create over their past two, and probably leading into their third season anyways, but the best thing about that is that there is always going to be something for everybody inside of this, the only thing is that you're just going to have to go through and try and figure it out yourself. And so now we've got official screenings and release dates for the Tatami Time Machine Blues in terms of their theatrical screenings that are going to be starting in September 30th out in Japan. So now this is a sequel story to the Tatami Galaxy, which is honestly something that I haven't watched since like 2013, 2014. So by the time this show comes around, I'm definitely going to have to go through it and give it a rewatch and kind of see how much of that time has given me a different perspective on what essentially to go through. In this case... Masaki Iwasa is not going to be returning to direct it, even though it is going to be produced by Saru. but honestly, the, someone who's going to be standing in for him has more than enough credibility to kind of back up his claim to the director's chair, and that's going to be Shingo Natsume. This is the man that did One Punch Man Season 1, he did Space Dandy, most recently he did Sunny Boy, and Yusuke Nakamura, who is the one that did the character designer for the original Tatami Galaxy, is also going to be returning as well. So to be fair, I'm still going to give this a watch once it comes out down the line. I, mm, I'm trying to figure out how many episodes it is, considering that it's not a film, it's a compilation film of all the episodes that the sh- that, uh, Science Saru has been able to produce over the course of its run. So if it's going to be a theatrical compilation film version, I'm going to assume it's either going to be six or seven episodes long, but we're just going to have to wait and see and see how that pulls out. Because if it's September 30th, I don't think g kids or anybody who's looking to license this is going to be able to bring it about by the end of 2022 so at some point in early 2023 we'll finally have the opportunity to go through and give this series a watch if you've been looking for a decent follow-up to honestly what i remember to be an incredibly fantastical but (laughs) ridiculous series and unfortunately this one is a little bit of a nail in the coffin considering that hyoka is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year and as it debuted back in Japan on April 22nd, 2012, and all it was able to go through is give a mini-exhibit and an online lottery for a handful of things that were displayed, and if that's the only thing that's going to go, it's basically just two things are guaranteed right now. They are forcing, or, like, not necessarily forcing, but heavily strong-arming the author to finally get, I believe, either the sixth or the seventh novel like, finished, because it has been quite a number of years since I believe the fifth novel came out. And the other, unfortunately, the other bit is that, you know, well, if it's been this long, I don't think we're going to be getting a second season of Hyoka at all, if this is all they're going to be able to unveil for its 10th anniversary. So, honestly, the 22 episodes that Hyoka got in its own adaptation is more than enough, and it's honestly what I believe to be Kyoto Animation's strongest work, even though Tamako Market is arguably my favorite— Hyoeni show, I still do believe that Hyoka is the one that sits at the top of all the productions that they've been able to make over their illustrious career. And a little bit of a small thing, considering that um, I know that Studio Colorido has a film that is going to be coming out uh, in a couple of months, but what Colorado is also doing for their 10th anniversary is that for a handful of days between May 6th and May 14th, depending on uh, like the series or depending on the movie that they're going to go, is that they are going to be having a streaming lineup on YouTube for all of their major... Uh, projects that they've been able to help produce over the past couple of years and so they've got their mini series as well as their short films like uh shashinkan and susume carolina but then they've also got uh their made first major film penguin highway which is very uh like same deal it is very t- fantastical and very absurd at times but it was a really fun and enjoyable experience uh, not as much to A Whisker Away, which was really awkward and weird. So Penguin Highway is going to be free for streaming on YouTube May 6th and 7th, and A Whisker Away is going to be 7th and 8th, and between May 7th and 14th. The other recommendation that I would definitely give from this is their adaptation of the one-shot that Tite Kubo, the creator of Bleach, was able to go through and get produced, Burn the Witch. And honestly, the style, the action, just the overall design... Regardless of what Tite Kubo's writing style is and how much gripe it gets, his design and his swagger that he's able to outfit all of his characters with is undeniably top class. Like, it is, like, way up in the echelon of, like, some of the best character designs that you'd be able to find inside of the medium. But regardless of that, the story that they were able to create over, like, the small amount of episodes that you could basically call this OBA, I would definitely give it a recommendation if you haven't seen it yet. So I would definitely go through and give that an opportunity to watch between May 7th and 14th. <sighs> okay, so now we get into the spring season. So before <laughs> so now before we get into the spring anime season, there are going to be two shows that I'm just going to be not remissed to forget and include inside of the bit because these are also going week by week in the middle of the season. So I'll get the first one out of the way that is not animated, and we'll go into a bit of the live action, which is Marvel's Moon Knight. It's such a weird thing because I have such a whiplashed just feeling about almost every single Marvel TV miniseries that they've been put out as of late where it's just... I don't know, WandaVision had some good and some bad episodes. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier had some good and some bad episodes. Uh, I know that they had one more in there that I'm just totally blanking on and forgetting, but, like, that's the thing. They're forgettable. Oh, Loki. Loki, right. Except it's just... Like, in hindsight, they give you about an episode's worth of exposition that is unfortunately kind of necessary, leading into what they're going to be in whichever next big Marvel blockbuster is going to happen, which is always the problem. The, bi- the only big one, or sorry, the only, so the only two major Marvel properties that I have not watched, that I'm not up to date with, is Hawkeye and Black Widow, and Black Widow because it's basically introducing her sister, cousin, something, who becomes a recurring character inside of Hawkeye. And I'm going to have to look, I'm like, I'm going to have to, b- b- uh, before, what is it, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. Like, whenever that comes out, which I believe is May 6th, I'm going to have to just see if anywhere at the end of Hawkeye there is something, like, a big reveal that's kind of going to tie it in and what exactly happens to the rest of it i do know that apparently kingpin makes a resurgence which means that oh boy we're actually going to have like a daredevil inclusion as well as considering that daredevil was in spider-man no way home so i'm really curious to see how that's going to transition into the majority of the marvel franchises or any of the spider-man movies that are going to be coming anywhere afterwards um but back to moon knight the first episode is a really good strong hook. Like, it really introduces a lot of ideas, a lot of good questions. You're thrown into the thick of it, and you have no idea what's going on. But the good news is that the main character has no idea what's going on. So you still immediately connect with him as to what the fuck is, like, happening in the midst of what is supposed to be a relatively mundane life of a man who works at a museum. Now, after that, episodes 2, 3, and 4—so literally half of the series— does not add too much to it it was a slog i legitimately had to considering that these episodes are anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes long it got to a point where in episode four i'm like fuck this i'm gonna have to find an alternative way to use it because disney plus does not have like a playback speed option and so it's just okay fuck i guess i'm gonna have to find another way so i can crank this out at over one and a half speed because this is so like, the like the hand-to-hand combat and the action is monotonous. It's just not inspired and not, like, making me care about any of these characters. And it's just, I really do not care what's going on. Until the end of episode four. And then five kind of brought it back a bit because... For the longest time, it was just, you're not answering any of my questions, you're not really giving us a reason as to why we need to care about any of these people, and it's like, I know the situation is weird and it's unfortunate and awkward, but you still don't give me a reason to care why they're in this awkward scenario in the first place. And then episode five answers that question, and it finally brings me back on the rails, and I'm really curious to see, because at the time of this recording, there is one more episode to be released, the one final episode, like, leading out of the series, and I'm really curious to... and. Like, after several weeks, I am finally back on the investment train as to what exactly they're going to do to finish up this series. And I'm hoping that they stick the landing because there are a lot of big hints and a lot of potentially big moments that are foreshadowed by the end of episode 5. And so I'm really curious to see how they're going to pull out those stops and release that tension and give us the answers that we've honestly been curious about as to why all of this is so split up. And so the other non-anime kind of thing that I'm watching that is animated is the second half of the second season of The Owl House, and everything is going at a mile a minute for the best, like, in the best way possible, considering that we know that in the middle of the second season's production, they were told, hey, guess what, Uh, sorry, you're going to get a third of a third season. So it's like, oh yeah, so we're going to have to split the third season to again. It's like, no, Disney told like as I said in the previous episode, Disney told them to go fuck themselves figuratively, and it's just like, yeah, you know, we're going to give you three specials, which is the equivalent of like a third of the 20 episode mark or at least like 7 out of 21 episodes that you're going to give. So, um good luck with that like diluted timetable. It's like, fuck, what are we supposed to do here? And what they've been able to accomplish In the past, I think at the time of this recording, seven episodes. So we are 17 out of 21 episodes into the second season. And it is doing a fantastic job at not only answering questions that are going through the world and why things have been, like, laid out and set up time and time again, but at least here we're also getting answers to... (laughs) Sorry, we're not just getting answers. We're also getting more questions, which is kind of concerning because it's just they like they're they're answering as many questions as they are raising them in the middle of this like shortened timetable that they have so it's and i can't really blame them but every single thing that's happening because now we've got the characters that we want the i think the final major characters that we have been waiting to see have finally been given their light but how they're going to interact with the rest of the cast and how The Day of Unity is going to completely and utterly change everything about this series. I'm going to guess that the Day of Unity starts at the 21st episode, at the final episode of this season. It will leave on a cliffhanger. And then we are going to be sad, if we haven't been sad already. Like, I'm trying to think about all the episodes that came through. There was equal parts growth in every single character that we have come across. They have been growing out of their insecurities, they've been using the connections and the bonds and the people that they love and cherish and care for to improve as people, but we're in the middle of this second half and everybody's fucking traumatized. Like, (laughs) Morning Mark, uh, no, I don't think it was Morning Mark. Somebody put out a um, comic where it's just somebody, like one of the characters, info dumping their entire trauma And just Ida, who's normally the most well-kept of the bunch, just drops her foot, like, starts pouring her apple blood just unconsciously, and Luce is just kind of like, Ida, please tell me that there are therapists in the Boiling Isles. And she's like, uh, uh, what are those? And it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. And it's like, yeah, you were the one that asked. Come on, kid, lay it all out to me. And it's just, oh, my God. Because technically... These characters are building bonds, they're making friends, like, making more than friends. Amity and Luz's relationship is not the most steady, but they still care for one another. And honestly, in, like, one of, like, arguably, I think, my current favorite episode, like, even though almost every new episode that comes out of the second half is, like, making it stronger and stronger, but, like, just the basis of a very simple revelation of a question that didn't really have us too intrigued but finally gives us the question as to where her dad is and it's just like dude oh my god and the way that even though throughout that entire episode Luz is trying to avoid this stress and this not really trauma but just something that's important to her that she's missing the way that Amity is still able to not fully forgive her but still still completely and utterly support and comfort her, where it's just, we will do this here. And I am just so happy for these two. And that that's the thing. I want all of these characters to be happy, but the day of unity is approaching, and, the, like, the show is, like, saying, oh, you want things to go smoother, right? You want them to actually, like, gain more agency and control and happiness? Yes. Hey, guess what? Let's just give them more trauma. <laughs> it's just, oh, no! That's the exact opposite of what I want you to do. And it's just... I don't know, I'm extremely invested in every single episode that has been coming out over the course of the weeks, so let's see, if the previous episode came out on April 30th, which means the final episode is going to be May 28th, oh my god, I'm so fucking scared, I'm so scared, dude, I, I, I just want them all to be happy, but I'm just, what is apparently being set up, and what is foreshadowed to happen, I am terrified. Now, we finally get to the anime section of the podcast. So, what am I going through? I am settling through six series uh, this season. Two of them are sequels, and four of them uh, just started. So, what exactly am I sitting on right now? I guess we'll just start with the sequels. So, Komi-san is technically a split core, so it's not really... Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to call it a second season where it's just the second core of, like, a 24-episode chunk because we didn't get Comey last season. Uh, We got her two seasons ago, I believe. So it's enough of a gap to call it a second season, but uh, that's beside the point. Um, It's fine. I'm really hoping that we get to a point where we are going to... Even though it's just expanding the cast is the point of the show for Comey to, like, reach out and get her 100-friend goal realized, but we just... I like there are a handful of characters that show up that like that that I actually started getting invested and that I was curious in and actually throws like a decent twist into the mix and I don't know how far along the show is going to get if we're even going to be able to be introduced to these characters which I really hope is going to be the case but you yeah, know it's not a priority for me every week it's just something that it's fine some of the comedy lands, some of it doesn't, unfortunately. And so it's just such a mixed bag, even though OLM, OLM is doing like a good job with it. And I'm just really hoping that the characters that they end up introducing are going to act, finally have their debut by the end of the season and kind of make this a little less stale and hopefully inject a bit more energy and variance into the formula that comey has been running for about in the past 18 episodes, uh, 16 episodes. And the second uh, sequel that we're going through is Kaguya-sama Season 3. And I have a wildly different opinion here because this is something that I enjoy thoroughly and miss... Uh, like, every season that it is not available. It is definitely something where it's like, oh my god, I still can't believe how much I miss this series every time it leaves. And the third season, like, is no exception, considering that the first episode that they're able to go through with the uh, arm wrestling contest, like, arguably has my favorite visual gag In this entire series that was completely original and not included in the manga and like knowing how good the director is considering that he's come from Rakugo to Kaguya is just every single time he decides to inject something new onto the storyboards that he's already been given like he just hits it out of the park every single time and it's always a fun time it's always a romp it's always funny Which is definitely the thing where it's just, it does, you know that the, you know, the ultra romantic has to rear its head at some point. But the comedy that happens in between the romance is more than enough to, like, stave it off and give us more than enough quality inside of it. Like, I still do believe that Kaguya is arguably my favorite rom-com of all time right now. Because not a lot of them come to mind whenever, like, you specifically go for a rom-com because it's either heavily one or the other. But considering how well intertwined that this series does with its two jobs, it is always a blast whenever it decides to come back around. And I'm really curious to see how the school festival or the cultural festival is going to, you know, bring and add a little bit of extra flair to the formula that has already been going through and proving itself time and time again. So let's see, I guess I'll go through like the least entertaining uh, original show, well not original show, the one that, um, the one that's not a sequel. So uh, Diamon, Diamon, like something along those lines, it's about a dude in his early 30s that is coming back to his hometown in Kyoto, and he's helping his family with the confectionery, the classical Japanese sweet shop that he has been, that he like helped out with for a good amount of years. And now inside of his place, because it's been a good amount of time since he's been back after a failed attempt at becoming a musician, he ends up going through and there is this new 10 or 11-year-old girl who was essentially just dropped off and, like, let go and just left at this place and the family took her in. And she—to kind of pay her back for doing that, she's ended up working at the sweet shop in all of her spare time outside of school— and from that point on, at least at that degree, like, she's been almost promised, like, she's going to be the future heir to the sweet shop. But it's not really much of a area of conflict between her and the new dude, or not the new dude, between her and apparently the main character, which I don't necessarily, he's not the best, he's just a bumbling fool who always gives out nuggets of wisdom regardless of his experience at the end of every episode, and he's acting as a surrogate father for this young girl and so in the beginning i was getting like usagi drop vibes but in usagi drop the main two were equally as interesting where now that we know the source of the stress and the insecurity of the little girl comes from considering that she was abandoned and she has to feel like she has to prove herself to give some kind of worth in some form because she was abandoned by her father at such a young age and the main dude is trying to help her come to terms with that but he's totally fine like he might have left where i don't know th- this relationship that he has with this girl who he was in a relationship for a couple of years but then he says oh man i'm going to quit the band and i'm going to go move back home and then she just packs her shit and leaves like literally telling her oh we're like telling him oh we're done no it's all good i'll, I'll co- i don't think i can do like deal with this anymore and so he packs all his shit and leaves and leaves a note saying i'm sorry and for some fucking reason she believes that he broke up with her after she was the one who just took one read of the scenario and be like, nah, nah, I'm over it. No, like, this is over it. And she's the one who believes, oh, no, but he dumped me. It's like, what the fuck are you on about? Uh, I don't know. I'm really hoping that the secondary cast gains some levity or adds, like, something interesting to the mix because just the relationship between uh, the surrogate father and the daughter thing, it's not the best execution that I've seen out of this for a while but it's fine it, it like it's so it's such a hard five six right now that unless they do something interesting by the end of it and they don't like stay on the same course where the main character is extremely dull and you're kind of just like leaning on the cuteness and the just gung-ho attitude of the main girl it's just I don't know dude where it's yeah like that's the problem it's fine but the worst thing that it's going to be if it keeps going down along this path is it would be boring and that's definitely not something you want to do for a show that you're bringing people into it now something that isn't boring that i'm really curious to see how this is going to go out this is also being produced by olm um is summertime rendering and i guess the main reason why i was curious about this initially is that it was one of the series that got put into disney plus jail and I will let you do with that information what you will. But I'm watching it now, and I am really curious to kind of see how this is going to be played out and how this mystery is going to go through. So I would recommend you skipping ahead a bit if you don't, want, if you just want to go in blind, which I would definitely recommend considering that it is definitely better to experience this and try to, like, throw yourself into this mystery head-on and see how that pulls out. So with the first episode having some really... Just flat-out annoying tropes in the first five minutes. It was just, dude, you literally did both of those within, like, your first quarter of runtime, and you really think that's going to help, like, add anything? Or, like, oh, this will really get people hooked into the the world and the characters. It's like, why? Um, But the shadows, and the murders, and the doppelgangers, and the imposters, and how this show has been set up has gotten me extremely invested especially with how quick on the uptake the main character is taking this situation as seriously as he could because it's like oh I just saw my surrogate sister get shot oh I got shot and now I'm being thrown into a time loop hmm it's time for me to start asking and answering questions and so that's definitely nice because it's 24 or 25 episodes where it's slated for and the story that it's adapting is complete so I'm really curious to see how this is going to pull out and like I'm just like I was just listening to the our anime like version of the uh, retro not the retrospective but the speculations and the initial reactions that they got and I will admit time loop mystery premises are either really good or really shit and there is rarely any in between and so that's something that we're always concerned about considering that whenever you have a time loop or any kind of mystery As if it's not set up well and it doesn't fold itself out to something that's legitimately interesting and convincing and entertaining, then by the time you reach the ending, nobody is going to care once all the answers end up being shown. So I am tentatively excited about how this murder mystery slash doppelganger back and forth is going to go, but I I just hope it's good. At the very least, I just want it to be good. I want it to keep up this consistency that they've been able to build throughout these first three episodes, but only time will tell. And so now I guess I'll get to the most popular show of this season, which is easily Spy Family. And it the adaptation so far has been fantastic. I started reading this about two or three chapters into its initial release, so it's been Several years since I've been able to go back and, like, re-experience these initial parts of the story. But with the adaptation through, I believe it's uh, Studio Wit and Cloverworks, I believe, are the co-producers for this series. So far, they've done an exceptional job at, like, bouncing all these characters off. And I really do enjoy... Um, Like what comedies are able to pull out on delivery in terms of animation outside of just manga because the manga is still funny and it is still a very engaging and entertaining romp uh, like throughout the entire of its run and seeing how they're able to incorporate the sound and the emotions and the music and the dynamics and everything like what that they're able to do inside the animated medium has arguably to me elevated what this source material initially brought because the initial source material it was fun I didn't think it was top tier I didn't think it was amazing but it was still an entertaining piece that I was able to go out and enjoy week by week and now with what the anime has been doing I definitely can see like how much people have wanted this to go through because the adaptation that this has been able to do has definitely elevated the source material in every possible way through the drama through the exciting uh like bits of action the comedy is just on point with which is definitely one of the series strengths but it also nails the emotional beats and gets you invested in this found family that everybody is kind of rooting for even though it's so fucking ridiculous and over the because this is definitely something that re- is something that's kind of important to me, especially when it comes to just the abstract um, absurdism in all, like, in a lot, like, especially with Everything Everywhere All At Once, where it is so, like, you are supposed to suspend your disbelief to a degree, but everything outside of, and, and, like, everything outside and surrounding this family is so ridiculous and you have to mentally put yourself through so many ridiculous hoops to except the fact that all three of these people are special but they have no idea like how ridiculous all their lives are and they don't even try to hide it none of them to any degree try and hide their major identities inside a such inside of such of a strong political climate and just country and how much of a division there is And But the comedy that they're able to find inside of all their interactions and how they're able to go through and entertain themselves inside of this family is just so heartwarming and down to earth. And so you can completely and utterly suspend your disbelief through all the ridiculousness and how none of them have any idea who any of these people are, but they're still able to make a connection and they're still able to come together despite all of it. And that's definitely one of the main reasons why I decided to jump into this series when it began. And that's definitely going to be one of the reasons why I continue to read and watch it going forward. But if we're talking about uh, absurdism going so far off the deep end and being so ridiculous and this being the only way that a show of this setup could actually happen would definitely be uh, Birdie Bullet, which I'm pretty sure is the name that I, or, or at least just the nickname that I gave it. Because when I put up birdie bullet, the first thing that comes up is birdies and bogeys, Canadian Tire, Golf Town. Oh my goodness. Birdie Wing, a golf girl's story. There it is. That's the completely and utterly bland title that I was kind of expecting to go for, and it's just about golf. How do you even make that entertaining? It is arguably one of the worst spectator sports inside of just... Not the medium, but just the whole sports world in general. How in the hell would you be able to make this entertaining enough or interesting to that degree and get people to watch this? A foreign LPGA assassin. Basically. She doesn't assassinate people, she just hits a ball with a club for money. And that's all I do. <laughs> and I break the dreams of all who oppose me. It's just okay you know what, sure, let's, let's just do that. Where it's like, oh yeah, no, I was beaten into submission and I had to learn golf at the early age and it was the only way to live. And like this, this chick is just nuts whenever it comes to whatever kind of skill that she's able to just go through and like show off where it's like, oh, uh, you know what, Dog leg right with trees obscuring every single other opportunity to get to the other half of the fairway. Fuck it, I'll just shoot it right through the trees with my driver. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, also it's like, oh, it's a 240, and it's a par 4, and... I legitimately need to go through and only use a seven iron and a driver? Hmm, how am I going to do this? Oh, how about I wait for the train to go through and pass directly through the fairway and I crush a line drive through a moving train? It's just too fucking ridiculous to see how, like, what the underbelly and the golf underworld is inside of this worldwide just ring of, like, international players. There is a bit of. Uh, like people call it a Yuri aspect but it's like so I don't know like it they don't know each other well enough to like kind of be that although they really do ham it up (laughs) through the majority of the times especially when she believes that she's been betrayed and the fact that there is an underworld gulf that's kind of like Tokyo 3 and it's just a bunker of all of these variable pieces that move back and forth between large tractors so that you can almost perfectly replicate any other hole in the world and it randomly generates an entire hole an entire green and fairway set like every time so that you have the hundreds of different combinations inside of something that's completely set underground this show is (laughs) fucking crazy dude it's it is insane it is the only conceivable way that they could like make golf interesting as a title it is absolutely ridiculous how go. And it and it like, they just ham it up. It is ridiculous to see how they go, th- to see how they're actually able to, like, construct this narrative around these players and around this chick who's basically had golf beaten into her subconscious and beaten into her soul ever since that she was a young girl and she's now been making money in all these underground golf matches. It's like, oh my god. Yes, this is exactly what you come to anime for. Just... Pedal to the metal, consistently ridiculous and over the top, and it just does not slow down for a second. I am legitimately curious to see how they're actually going to be able to like keep this consistent uh like tone and pace going because they don't know, I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. They haven't marked it down for anything specific, so it's arguably gonna be between 12 and 24. But at least they know that they've got somebody backing them correctly because uh, Bandai Namco is the studio that's essentially, or Bandai Namco Pictures, uh, known for Gundam, are the ones who are making this series out of nowhere. And I mean, one of the girls that sticks around with the main one is a Gunpla fanatic, so she absolutely adores those and that's, like, where she, like, spends all of her money and all of her earnings, but I don't know. How crazy good this blonde is at golf is just... Believe it's, it's it's just believable enough considering that when you play golf, it's just like why can't you shoot over it or around it or through it? Where it's just you know because trees fucking suck. There's a reason why trees are such an immovable and unstoppable object. Whenever you are trying to go around and survive on a golf course, and it's just you don't really need to know anything about golf. To kind of like get into this, but knowing what's possible and impossible kind of just adds a little bit of a layer, even though it just doesn't really help you too much. But how ridiculous this show is able to go and the lengths that it is able to bring itself to try and make this kind of spectating this sport interesting... I can definitely commend it for that, and I can definitely give it a recommendation to anybody who's looking for something that's a little bit insane and a little bit crazy but is able to do with its source material. Well, actually, is it source material? Never mind, it's an original. Oh my god, what are you doing, Bandai Namco? I am so confused. But you know what? It's been a solid watch over the past four weeks, and I'm really curious to see how they're going to be able to keep this energy going forward and seeing if they're going to be able to make it something that can last throughout the rest of the season. Alright, so at least that'll cover the rest of it. I guess the major ones that I wasn't able to cover since I'm not watching this it this season is Shield Hero Season 2, Shiki mori uh, Haran-san, <laughs> Date Alive 4. Oh my god, it's still alive. Uh, I have no idea what to think about this one. It's, I've heard really weird things about Tomodachi Game. Cuckoos is the other one that's behind Disney Plus Jail, but it seems like a ridiculous enough of a rom-com that it's, like, not really something to go through. If there is going to be any series that I pick up in the middle of the season that I've heard nothing but positive things about, it is going to be Ya Boy Kong Ming. And... From all that I've seen, from the music, from the opening, from the characters, from the premise, just all of it just screams like it's a good time. So if there's anything that we're going to be picking up at any point in the season, like if it does have that pop-off episode that really brings everybody into the fold, then that's going to be the time when I finally like buy in, and I'm really curious to see if that's going to be something that can last the test of time and be nothing more than a mid-season flop. Oh yeah, there's also the Sentai one where the like evil one and the Red Ranger High School are also get into a relationship, so I uh, haven't watched that yet. If there's going to be something that I'm probably going to watch over the next two weeks, um, it's probably going to be Bubble, which was the one that I pointed out where it's got like, uh, and then it's also animated by Studio Wit, and it's directed by Tetsuro Araki, and like, just all of these... like huge names i'm really curious to see if it just turns out to be some kind of boring mess or if honestly knowing studio wit it will be gorgeous to look at so at the very least that's going to be something that will make for some kind of entertainment over its one and a half hour run so i'll probably get to that maybe i can also hook up johnny and we can finally get that flash animation uh episode running but i don't know only time will tell uh but uh anyways uh cheers guys have a good one